And happy Monday. You have made it for another Mission Live. Well, I hope you've made it for another Mission Live. I hope that you're enjoying yourself. I hope that this is the beginning of a great week for you. I'm hoping that it's going to be a great week for me as well. I've uh, got lots to talk about today. We've got a big news section today. Today I've got Bobby Galley in the studio with me from Joe's Place. We are going to have some great conversation about Joe's Place. Uh, our ministry spotlight, we'll be talking about, um, what are we talking about there for our ministry spotlight? Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate recovery. We have got a ton of people that join and get, you know, find themselves free from addiction through a Celebrate Recovery, and we're going to be doing a little ministry spotlight on them today. Today, uh, we'll be doing our rule of the week, hitting up the harsh rule number five uh, this week. And then uh, we'll also, we've got a new book of the month here that we'll be talking about uh, as the show goes on. And then, of course, as always, closing thoughts. So today... Let's go ahead and get right to the news all up and down the West Coast. Today's news comes to you. We're going to start in Oakland. It is a, a massive blaze sparks a homeless encampment underneath I-880. One person suffered from smoke inhalation, according to authorities. And our news today comes from uh, the Mercury News Com. Firefighters spent about two hours battling a blaze that broke out of a homeless encampment Tuesday morning underneath Interstate I-80. According to the authorities, the fire was reported at about 4.22 a.m. at the encampment located at 26th Street and Wood Street, said Oakland Fire Department spokesperson Michael Hunt. About 25 firefighters responded to the incident and additional engines were called in because there weren't fire hydrants on the scene and they had to bring their own water. A school bus, RV, and camper were at the fire. Uh, as always, the biggest challenge to these incidences is uh, off of Wood Street is access and the, an array of hazardous materials, including a large amount of propane tanks and a lack of water to use to put out the fire, Hunt said. The area where these vehicles are parked and temporary structures are assembled below the freeway far away from hydrants and often are behind locked gates. One person suffered from smoke inhalation and crews called an ambulance, but they denied transport, according to Hunt. The fire was put under control at about 6.30 a.m. According to authorities, investigators are looking into the cause of the fire. There have been shootings at the homeless camp over the years, including one in February of 2019 in which a man was killed. Now, here's the main takeaway from this article, okay? Homeless camps, even city-sanctioned ones, aren't safe. Fires, shootings, and murders are the results of, fire, of, of homeless camps, and we see it in news article after news article. Now, the next news article, um, California counted its homeless population, but can it track the money? Great headline, and this comes from the Red Bluff Daily News. And I'm going to just tell you right now, this is a great uh, piece of journalism. And so if you get a chance, we'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, you'll want to check this one out. It reads in part, and I'll just read some sections from it. Um, 
It reads in part like this. As she headed to her car after two hours of counting and surveying Sacramento's homeless population, the state's top housing official acknowledged that there is a long road ahead. We're building the system, building the capacity, building the data, and communities are rising to the occasion. I know people are really frustrated because they feel like they don't see that change, said uh, Lourdes Castro Ramirez, Secretary of Business, Consumer Services, and Housing Agency. But I don't think you can see change that's going to be long-lasting overnight. As she spoke... Just a few blocks away, a homeless encampment was going up in flames. No one was injured, unlike the fire earlier in the same day at Santa had a San Francisco encampment that killed a woman and that Governor Gavin, Gavin Newsom called unconscionable. In fact, we talked about that just the previous week. Uh, but dozens of people who had been camping beneath the on-ramp to Highway 50 on one of the coldest nights of the year, watched as firefighters sprayed hundreds of gallons of water at the inferno that they once called home. The article later continues, California's last, California last tallied its homeless population in January of 2020 and found at least 161,000 people without a roof over their heads on any given night with the biggest concentration in Los Angeles, where most were single adults, about a third were chronically homeless, and black Californians were overrepresented in the county nearly fivefold. The world has changed a lot during the deadliest pandemic in a century. The state poured billions, I'm going to stop to emphasize billions, into alleviating homelessness, creating thousands of new shelter beds and housing units which we read last week, many at a cost of over $700,000 each. Um, but the housing affordability crisis to which most experts attribute homelessness, parentheses, by the way, not this expert, um, so only worsened as millions lost their jobs and rents skyrocketed. Uh, shelters also reduced bed capacity and federal Officials urge local law enforcement not to disband the camps like the one in Sacramento to guard against the coronavirus, making tent cities more visible than ever. The article goes on later and says, I know the governor is frustrated. I know the legislature is frustrated. The public is frustrated. This comes from Assembly Budget Chairperson Phil Ting, a San Francisco Democrat, said during a recent public hearing we have appropriated billions and billions of dollars on this issue. Let me just requote him on that. We have appropriated billions and billions of dollars to this issue, and it's not clear where we have made progress. The reason for the limited available data is in part, go figure, because local entities serving people on the ground hadn't always been required to report outcomes to the state, and no state body provided effective oversight to the myriad of agencies that address homelessness the state auditor had found. A slew of laws 
passed last year are supposed to change all that. Okay, here's your takeaway. And the, I'll tell you, the article goes on. It's a great article. There's a lot of good information in it. Main point is this. The government cannot be trusted to fulfill its promises about solving homelessness. Now, if you live anywhere, especially here in Grants Pass, you need to get this. The government, the government cannot be trusted to fulfill its promises about solving homelessness. There have been 10-year plans to end homelessness with millions and in some cases billions of dollars to solve it, and you will never get your money back. They can always be trusted to increase what they take in your tax dollars. And let me tell you what their goal is. Their goal is ownership of private sector land and increased bureaucracies where prevailing wage and PERS and stuff keeps growing and growing and growing. And they're going to do so in part by marginalizing the work of religious charities. A fantastic piece of journalism by uh, Manuela Tobias, the Daily News, by the way. Good job. We will have again in the show notes We'll be uh, uh, linking to that. Um, And then, lest you think this is only a big city problem, well, let's look up to Bend. Bend purchases the Rainbow Motel for homeless shelter, sets some businesses, oh, upsets some businesses. This comes from ktvz.com. Again, all of these will be in the show notes. It reads, a recent Bend City Council decision to purchase the Rainbow Motel for a homeless shelter has upset some nearby businesses in the Central Business District. Hmm. City Councilor Megan Perkins says it's one of several moves to get people off the streets and into safe places and on the path to stable housing. But the Bend Central District Business Association, Bend Central District Business Association, I'll botch this later on probably, sent a letter to the City Council with some questions and concerns. In fact, the letter reads in part, you are aware of the erosion of the current livability and, visi- and viability of the Bend Central Business District due to the economic, environmental, and safety impacts resulting from the current extensive and growing homeless encampments. You are likely also aware that the BCDBA was not in support of the use of the Rainbow Motel as a homeless shelter when it was originally opposed several months ago because it would not be in keeping with the vision of the district as put forward by the city and embraced by the current occupants of the area. As the city has chosen to go ahead with the plan to purchase the Rainbow Motel and it use and, and use it as a low barrier shelter, we now ask for the city to provide in writing a plan and a comment and a commitment to the district so that we can believe that the city remains in partnership with the businesses and residents who call this area our home and continue to invest our hearts and dollars into the area. Now, here is a perfect example of a tax-generating business property being purchased by a city government to run a homeless shelter paid for by your tax dollars. Listen, they're not paying attention to you. 
They don't care what you think on this. They just want to do it, not because they have tons of experience or expertise on this matter. In fact, they're going to ignore the people with experience and expertise on the matter. And the only experts that they want are the ones who are actually already doing it, paid for by tax dollars. Those are the real experts as far as they're concerned. So uh, follow the money, guys. Here's your question. Will it ever return to the hands of tax generators again? Here's another question. Have you ever seen a government agency that has efficiency built into its budget? Government agencies that are paid by the victim will always require more victims. And that is what you're seeing over and over again. Ah, but grants pass, lest you think that this is only something for other communities. Right here in our town in Grants Pass, Oregon, uh, we are following the same path as the rest of the West Coast, while the Medford media is actually actively practicing the very framing techniques that I shared last week. It says, unhoused person attacked with fire in Baker Park in Grants Pass. So no one was harmed in a fire in Baker Park in Grants Pass on Tuesday, March 1st, after a hooded suspect reportedly threw a burning liquid onto a tent containing a person experiencing homelessness. The Grants Pass Police Department announced in a press release that their officers and Grants Pass Fire and Rescue units assisted the victim in putting out the fire but did not locate the subject, uh, the suspect, excuse me. Um, by the way, good on you, Grants Pass Fire and Rescue. Thank you, Grants Pass Police Department. We really love the work that you do, and we're really glad that this didn't turn out a whole lot worse. The article goes on to say the victim's tent and sleeping bag were destroyed by the flames. Grants Pass Police Department reported that they believe the fire was caused when a hooded subject threw a flaming liquid substance onto the tent belonging to an unhoused person. Now, a person experiencing homelessness. This is the headline, and we're going to go back to that framing idea. A person experiencing homelessness. It's like a person experiencing a head cold or an earthquake, okay? They are passive in the experience, according to the article. This is kind of how they're just experiencing homelessness. Gee, how did I get here all of a sudden? I don't know. Unlike a transient or a vagrant, where the person is significantly culpable for their choices and experience. So what they're trying to do in the framing is remove culpability. And you have to listen to that. Culpability means that they're not responsible. Well, culpability means they're responsible for their choices. And what the article's trying to do is take away responsibility uh, from the conversation. Now, here's another one. How about this quote? A tent belonging to an unhoused person rather than a tent most likely paid for with public money, belonging to a homeless person, someone who has chosen to live in Baker Park, a place paid for with public money, who desperately needs to rediscover the treasure of a home. My goodness, the framing has got us all messed up. Are you someone who votes for this? What if someone had been harmed? Has your vote, has your votes enabled this kind of life 
or hampered the police from protecting this person? What is your city council doing? Are they buying up business properties and ignoring small businesses to accommodate this? You know, we have people listening all over the West Coast, all over, all over the United States. you got to be asking them this question, and is it a good idea? How many more people need to get hurt? How much more of Oregon needs to burn before we change? Do I seem a little outraged? Well, if I am, it's because these are human beings that we're talking about here. And we've settled for answers that are convenient for us rather than ones that reflect our value of their dignity, okay? We are fighting this way. We are fighting for our fellow countrymen as if they're pets that should be allowed a clean place to sleep and food provided by their owners. How long can we treat them like animals and then feign being surprised when they act like them? They are men and women and children made in the image of God. And we must remind ourselves of this fact if we will ever see the change that we really need to see in our community. So think this thing through. Come on, news media. Stop with the improper framing. And by golly, vote differently this time around, will you? Let's think about things. Vote in ways that make changes. All right, coming next, we've got our interview with Mr. Bobby Galley from Joe's Place. You want me to introduce the video? Okay, there we go. Eric's telling me, get your act together, Bo Teller, and, uh, and introduce the video. So this video is a video that we took of... of um, of Darren and Joe, or Darren and Joe, everybody wants to call it Joe. Joe stands for Jesus over everything, and I love that about them. Uh, this is Darren and Bobby talking about what Joe's Place Ministries does, and we took this video, uh, we, we did this video before the pandemic, so this was pre-2019, somewhere in there. They were even in a different building back then, so, but we'll get to get a sampling for what they are, who they are, and uh, check it out. My name is Darren Williams. I'm the executive director of Joe's Place Ministries here in Grants Pass and now in Cave Junction. We started in 2009 as an outreach to homeless and at-risk kids. Um, we've been serving here in Grants Pass and kids ages 12 to 20. Um, for the last five, six years, we've had a youth center here in Grants Pass where we do meals, um, give out clothes, hygiene products, and just um, provide a safe place for uh, young people to come and just really hang out. My name is Bobby Galley and I am the Outreach Director here at Joe's Place. I basically run the Youth Center and the volunteers, so I am in charge of the day-to-day -day operations of Joe's Place. Well, one of the exciting things at Joe's Place is you never know who or what's going to walk through the door. So uh, it's greeting the kids and people that come in with donations as well as all of that. And then there's always time for playing pool and ping pong and cards and having baby showers and birthday parties and going bowling, going to the beach. There's always something going on at Joe's Place. That's the highlight for me is just the consistency of relationships that we're able to have with the kids as 
we get to know them better, they get to know us better, there becomes a real family uh, environment. Like I was blessed the other day, uh, one of the girls came in, you know, walked all the way from her house, just came in to introduce her boyfriend to me. Didn't want to eat, Didn't wasn't going to hang out, and he was only in town for a little while, but she wanted him to meet me. And just that, those sort of relationships and opportunities where you're able to just be an example and how they want your input and, you know, want you to be a part of their lives. That's, that's what it's all about. And so it's really just relational evangelism. As you, as you build that relationship, you're able to speak more and more truth, more and more love, more and more life, and more and more of Christ into their life. Yeah. All right, man, I am here with my good friend. Boy, I'm getting some echo in there. I'm here with my good friend, Bobby Galley, man. It's good to see you. And uh, you and I go way back. Um, we, have, uh, we, we, have, we have done a lot of fun, had a lot of fun together. Our kids play together, go to school together, yep. all that good stuff. Uh, we, have, we have had many a good times attending church, teaching, teaching Bible studies, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, having you exhaust me in the gym many hours along the way uh so uh you know the physique it's from bobby and uh, so dad bod specialists that's here. right <laughs> so man oh man um well you know it's a cool thing joe's place um you know it, this is one of those things when i first came to grants pass i would see the joe's place sign back way back when you were up on sixth street up by the freeway before you and i worked either for oh, yeah. mission or for joe's place mm-hmm. um but they you know darren's been at work at this for a long time yeah um what's your role at joe's place what's your title officially uh i believe my official title is outreach director um but what I do is I run the day-to-day operations of the youth center, and basically that involves, you know, dealing with all the kids and building relationships because Joe's Place is a ministry that is relational. You know, the we're in it for these kids with the long haul. Um, we're not just going to give them a plate of food and say, see you later. You know, we really develop good friendships, good relationships, and come alongside and see where we can help these kids. And some of them are homeless. Some of them, you know, just have some bad family lives. And some of them come from decent families and they just enjoy the place to hang out and, uh, you know, the camaraderie and the friends that they develop there. And so we have a variety of kids. Um, the homeless aspect of our ministry is our, our focus and, or, you know, homeless slash disadvantaged kids that just need help, uh, whether it's in school or with toiletries or with, you know, a tent at times. Um, but it's, I guess, as I was thinking about today, I thought of uh, three different kids, three scenarios. And these are kids that I love dearly yeah. that I've worked with for multiple years. And they've had 
a variety of challenging situations and some are pushing through and some are just surrendering or getting beat by these situations. So before you do, you know, I mean, when you say you pour your life into these kids, I mean, shoot, we used to go to the gym with some of them, right? I mean, you probably still do it, so, you know, something. I mean, these are things, you know, just like what we do, you know, here at the mission. I mean, many of the mission residents are amongst my best friends. They're people mm -hmm. that I know and love and pour my life out into, you know, and, and, and that's true for all my staff. Everybody, everybody here at the mission, man, we are... We are into this in the deepest of ways. You are certainly into this in the deepest of ways. I mean, I've seen, you know, our church end up pouring into, you know, following you into Joe's place and, and diving in uh, and everything. So tell me about these three guys, or three folks in, in their situations. Um, so there's, first is a girl, we'll say girl A. <laughs> <laughs> girl A. And... Uh, when we first came into contact, I believe she was a junior in high school. Yeah. And she had just um, basically gotten kicked out slash removed from Hearts with a Mission um, for not following the rules, not, you know, um, being a part of their program. Right. And was currently couch surfing, bouncing back and forth on friends' couch. And then she started staying with her aunt, and it was a pretty good, stable home. She was cleaner. She was, you know, looking better. She was going to school more because it was easy to not go to school when you didn't have stuff set in place to make it easy, like, sure, like sure, busing, sure. like, you know, um, just any sort of accountability, somebody saying, Hey, get up and go to school. <laughs> right. Right. So rules, rules and accountability, um, are like one of the consistent, I mean, we're, we're always getting trashed for having rules and expecting accountability, but, but what we're saying is what we often say is that, you know, I mean, the, one of the consistent things with homeless, with folks that are homeless is a disre disregard and disrespect for for boundaries and rules and accountability and and so uh so here's a young lady that that is starting that out young and in in going that way and uh and finding herself homeless as a as a you know as a result and then a solution comes up hey uh, i've got uh i've got a family member that's going to take me in and uh, and and it'll be a stable environment, but there's also rules and accountability, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it seems to be what I've noticed is like a two week cycle with most of these kids. It will start out. It will be paradise for the first week. Yeah. And you know that's because they're you know given a lot of leeway. Then. People start to clamp down, going, okay, you know, you can't just sit here and eat and do nothing and, you know, freeload and then have an attitude about the whole thing. 
to begin with. Yeah, right. Like, you know, they're, you should be blessed by them just gracing you with their presence or right. something. Right. And so uh, back to girl A, she wanted to dye her hair either purple or pink or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, her aunt said, no, you know, I don't want you doing that whether it was because she didn't want it to uh, influence the other kids in the house or whatever, but, you know, it's her house. It's a reasonable rule. Like mm-hmm. It's not costing her anything. It's not unsafe. It's not, you know, anything other fact, than what we're saying, saying is don't do it. Don't spend money on this frivolous thing that's unnecessary. You know, uh, it's a, it's it's not a good use of resources to get your hair to dare, dye your hair another color, but it also causes you to immediately stand out and draw attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in in you know maybe some maybe some you know get some positive you know reinforcement from it, but maybe get some negative reinforcement along with it as well. Um, certainly, you know if she was out applying for jobs and things like that, that might hamper her success in in some ways so anyways keep going and so she decided to leave her aunt's house that it was more important for her to have this hair color of her choice that she would then probably change within a few weeks or a month to a different hair color right you know so it was not anything permanent or long-lasting, but she chose to leave a stable living environment to instability, you know, which affects her school, which affects her diet, which affects her well-being as a person, because from there, she went to straight up living on the streets as a 17 year old good looking girl like she was you know um attractive and it was a scary situation for her and i had conversations with her about it like why why would you do that and she's like well i just i just don't like people telling me what to do well i don't either you know nobody likes right people telling them what to do that's you know every right. that's the other theme is they always say well I just I just have a problem with authority, no you're just a person, right. because people have problems with authority. Yeah, you just need to figure out how to deal with that better than you're doing, and right. not just give into it. But the school doesn't teach them that. The school doesn't teach them. Oh, you you know you need to compromise. It's Oh, it's your feelings, your choice. It's okay. Everything that you do, just because somebody feels something doesn't make it true. Or good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I was talking to one school teacher who was saying that she has a problem with a student in her classroom that will act out and he'll start throwing a temper tantrum and and he begins throwing things and breaking things in the classroom, screaming and having a fit and falling in it. And her only recourse is to actually remove all the other kids out of the classroom and just let him finish it out. And and I'm thinking, 
This is what we're teaching our kids. You can't, look, God will not be mocked. You can't simply do this and then run around scratching your head wondering how we got here. Mm-hmm. You did this to yourself in your education system, in your, in your communities. You're doing this to yourself, and you can't sit there and then be surprised when you get bad results, right? Yeah. And don't think I'm coming against teachers because right. they— you know, they're expected to do all these things with their hands tied behind exactly. their back, basically. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, it's not the teacher's fault. It's this the system and the, the, uh, the way that our schools are going is creating these unaccountable, un-obedient, <laughs> I mean, not... I mean, obedient sounds like such a strong word, but it's like there's a reasonable expectation of behavior and of just how you treat people, how you respond to things. Isn't it funny that that you'd feel like you have to go, disobedience sounds like something strong? Why why is that a strong thing? I mean, you know, it's, you know, the police, you know, say, stop. And all you need to do is stop. But they keep running, and they're surprised when the policeman uses force, you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, the policeman, you know, slow down, you know, read the stop sign, read the, read the speed limit sign, and, and, you know, when we don't, then we're surprised at the results we get. It, it seems, again, um, it seems like we're doing this to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it to our kids, man. I mean, this is where I, I love that you guys, you and Darren and all the volunteers that come down there to Joe's place are right there, you know, really trying to engage these kids, even though they've been kind of, you know, uh, raised with and grown up in this, in this kind of this sense of lawlessness and this, you know, battle for their own autonomy and, and everything, and we're going, no, it's actually good to submit to other people sometimes. It's, it's actually for your benefit to humble yourself and submit to those people around you and in mm-hmm. the relationships around you. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a very biblical thing, right? Yeah. And at Joe's Place, we don't have a ton of rules, but our biggest rule is, you know, respect. It's respect the facility. Yeah. You know, clean up after yourself. Don't just break things because you're being careless or ridiculous and respect the people around you. Um, you know, you're not going to just come in and be a jerk and be rude and be disrespectful to not only other kids, but staff or volunteers. Sure. And, you know, respect yourself. Like, Take pride in yourself. Yeah. And I have had conversation after conversation with with a lot of these kids, and they'll these kids have been kicked out of school, kicked out of homes, all of these things. Yet they'll come to Joe's place and I will have very little problems with disobedience. Right. And why is that? I personally feel it's one because they know that I love them. Sure. You know, every kid that comes in there more than a couple times, 
they know that I love them and I care about them and I want the best for them. Sure. They might not always agree with maybe what I want for them, and that's fine. Yeah. But they do know that I am trying to help them and I'm trying to look out for them legitimately. And like I said, in the long run. Yeah. I'm not just trying to solve the problem of the day. Right. I'm looking at who they are as a person, their character, their, you know, self-worth, their own value, and trying to prepare them for being a part of society. Sure. And so we have these kids that come, you know, and I've talked to teachers or whatever, and they're like, what? That kid won't. You know, he is so rude. He is so disrespectful. And he'll come to Joe's place and be amazing. Wow. Wow. And so it's so it's clear that they're capable of being amazing, which is what you've been saying all along. Mm-hmm. You know, they're capable of being so much more than they've become, in part maybe by because of the approach, in part because you've struck up that relationship with them. And, and maybe, maybe it's not that teachers haven't done this. Maybe it's that we have, we have through our school boards and through our you know, education policies and stuff, we have, we have uh, tied the legs and the feet and, you know, and the hands of teachers from being able to be that thing that you guys can be for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you don't, give a kid a standard yeah they I'm won't meet it. it right like if 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 you're not clear yeah. with your expectations yeah. and a minimum standard right. of behavior of what's appropriate what's okay yeah then they're not going to meet it cuz so, they're going to push the boundaries well and the question and, is like where's that standard come from uh, you know you have a standard that's I think pretty consistent with my standards and, and, and everything, but where does our standards come from? And in the public schools, can they share that same standard? Oh, I, I think 100% because my standards is not based on, you know, this verse or that verse. It's based on common sense and logic and, okay, this is how I want to be treated. Right. This is... You know, when somebody treats me badly, it affects me. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to allow that. You know, I'm not going to allow somebody to treat another person that way. Right. When it's within my power to do something about it. We're not even talking about, you're not, you're saying, you're suggesting that you're not even talking about a biblical standard necessarily. You're just talking about something that ought to be common sense. Clearly it's, mm-hmm. it's not. I think that no. common sense anymore is kind of a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and um, so for some reason, the public schools can't seem to find that common sense anymore they've lost that 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 ability to to address it but you're able to find it you you were raised with it you you were able to see it you didn't always live by it in your lifetime neither did i but but it's the results that we got the negative results that we got from deviating from that common sense that actually taught us that was the schoolmaster that taught us 
mm-hmm. to, to correct our ways and to get back on track, right? Yep. So I don't like living homelessly. So that it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, all, it's, it's mm-hmm. cold outside, man. It's cold mm-hmm. and wet and miserable. I don't like, I, don't, I feel vulnerable. I'm not safe. So what do I do? Well, I, I, it's the schoolmaster to bring me back around, hopefully, to bring me back around to living within common sense and, and straightening out and not having the, you know, not living the life that leads to one of homelessness and addiction and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You said there were, you said there were three kids that you had in mind. Oh yeah. Okay. Tell so, me. So, uh, kind of the long story of, uh, girl a, she has continually been in a state of homelessness as far as for many months, they were, she was in a car with a boyfriend and the boyfriend's mom and a couple cats. And that's how they lived. They would go kind of from parking lot to parking lot. And, you know, we'd try to help them out with a little supplies here and there. But then eventually she got to where she was out of our, you know, age group. And, you know, I'm still in contact with her we you know still talk a little bit if she gets real desperate you know i'll still help her out but she's still stuck in that that same cycle okay Okay. give me some hope um kid b he was his parents were making it they had a little place uh it was like a travel trailer um on a friend's property it was a constant shifting of where they were staying. And this kid had to fight through getting to school, staying in school, keeping up with it this whole time, even through COVID and all of that, you know, he had to figure things out and he fought and he tried. And was it, is it perfect? Is he on the honor roll? Is he, you know, super successful in school. No, but you graduating. Yes. He should be graduating this year. That's awesome. And it's because he has fought for it. He knows this is what I need to do for my future. And so now he's living at a friend's property because the parents have, well, they had a falling out. They split up. Now they're kind of back together and he's out at a property, um, but he still gets busing That's to school awesome. and goes and works at it. And I remember having a conversation with him just a few weeks ago and him saying, you know, I keep hoping my parents will get it together basically and get us a house. Yeah. But I don't think they are going to. Yeah, you know? well, I'll tell you, parents d- just totally don't understand a lot of times how the their divisions, their choices, you know, the, and the struggles that they have can just spill right over into the lives of their kids and how challenging that makes it for them. But how cool is it that this kid is still fighting his way through the whole thing? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Give me, we got about five minutes um, or less. Uh, give me, give me the other kid, the, the last kid three. Uh, the last one is similar to the second one in that 
the parents are kind of in this perpetual state of homelessness. Yeah. They work, they'll stay at a hotel for a few days or, you know, maybe a couple weeks. And, you know, which it's like, that kills me because it's 60, 80 bucks a night. And if you multiply out that, it's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot more than rent rent would be for an apartment. Yeah. You know, significantly more, It'd yeah. be, you know, between 16 and 1600 and 2000 a month to yep. stay in a hotel yep. versus, you know, you can, I mean, granted, you get a three bedroom house for that price. Yeah. 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 Um, even in the, even in this market, you can get one. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I'm paying <laughs> for my rent, right. which is right, right, it, right there. So, yeah. um, and this is a kid who has stuck with the parents as far as that goes, yeah. but has not made school a priority, has not made, you know, kind of bettering himself. And so he's kind of in this perpetual cycle where, oh, he's basically, he goes to school for a few weeks or a month and then either stops or gets kicked out or, you know, it's always the teacher's fault or, you know, this kid made me mad. And yeah. And so there's always a reason for why they're not in school or why he's not going to school. And then it's homeschooled, which is not basically nothing. Yeah. He just doesn't do anything. And so his, future is going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean so so you're you're telling me that and and you're telling the people watching that that basically what you're telling these kids and and what you're understanding that these kids aren't these aren't you didn't list for me a bunch of victims even though each one are victims in their own way. Yeah, they, um, have know, they, had they, they have had very hard obstacles to overcome, and that's really hard as a teenager to try and figure that stuff out, or, or mm-hmm. even younger at times. Um, but but they still have choices that they're culpable for along mm-hmm. the way. That they that that is part of what they do, and and you're going to be there for them. Joe's place is going to be there for them. Mm-hmm. Either way, you're gonna you're gonna do your best to be there for them and help guide them in the right direction. Man, you guys have one of the coolest ministries in town. We love uh, we love Joe's place, and we love that there is such a you know the, the Christian community in Grants Pass, and I'm sure in any town anywhere the, the mm-hmm. Christian community because this is what Christian communities do is we do really crazy good things. And we do the support for our communities in ways that they may not even be aware, but keeps that you know benefits the whole community, and does it without a penny of taxpayer mm-hmm. cost or anything. Um, it's an amazing thing. If somebody wants to support Joe's place, if somebody is watching this and they just go, "Man, how can I? Where can I write a check? Mm-hmm. Or how can I find out more? Where would they go?" Uh, the website, uh, Joe's Place Ministries org, I believe. Okay. And um, or just come on by. We're right across the street from the bowling alley, and I'm happy to give you a tour and talk so, to you. And, so, you, do you know what the address is there? Uh, Twelve oh five 
Rogue River Highway. Awesome. Okay. And that's in Grants Pass, Oregon, yep. right? Uh, two seven. Is that two seven? Yeah. Nine seven five two seven. All right. Well, that's that's really good. Um, you know, so if you're somebody watching this right now and you are interested, I would say, you know, by all means, uh, check them out. Check out. You're going to come by and have fun. Go in and engage with the kids while you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always. Is there anything in particular that you guys like have need of right now? That, that there's a means. I mean, apart from just some financial support and prayer. Um, I would say like individually wrapped snacks. Because that's yeah. one of the things we have always at the youth centers, yeah. snacks, where there's Every time I'm there, the kids are munching on something, right? Yeah, and so yeah. we go through a lot of those. And it's the way all so. my family is when I come home. I see all <laughs> my kids and stuff, you know, munching on something. Yeah, so it's a consistent, you know, it's like basically we can't get too much of that. We right. can always, always use it, and so that's a, that's a good, easy way, just throwing an extra box of those like bags of chips or it's cool something like that so all right thanks for coming in and checking it out with us again man and uh we need to we need to be getting together and doing some munching at each other's house sometime soon um say hi to your wife for me hi bethany and uh she's watching she's watching that's (laughs) awesome all right guys next is our ministry spotlight we'll be talking about uh celebrate recovery we've got a book review coming up and some closing thoughts stick around Hi, my name is Carol Stevens. Um, I am part of the teams for Celebrate Recovery. Um, I help facilitate and make sure Celebrate Recovery is running um, smoothly. The primary goal of our ministry is to help people with their hurts, habits, hangups. Um, it could range from um, grief to addiction. And our sole purpose is to help people find a foundation and grow in Christ with that foundation. I feel like our ministry meets goals by giving um, people support in the middle of crisis in their life, giving them step groups, helping them focus on the deep down hurts, habits, hangups that are keeping them stuck and not able to move forward in life. Christ is definitely the centerpiece of our ministry. Um, Without God, there would be no there wouldn't be a ministry. So um, I feel like God um, shows up every Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery and um, helps people understand that there's freedom in that. All right. Well, now it is time for our really awful rule of the week. Mission rules. I love the dramatic music in there. Mission rule number five. No drugs or alcohol permitted while a resident. If we suspect you of any infraction, we may ask you to take a drug or alcohol test and leave the mission. So you'd think that this seems kind of self-explanatory, and I know there's people who are really pro kind of that mysterious low barrier, no barrier thing. Let me tell you some experiences that we've had along the way. How about... When you have somebody who comes into your facility in the evening and they are, uh, and it's in the wintertime and it's cold, but they happen to be high on methamphetamine. Now, it's really not easy to tell unless you're very skilled with seeing people who are using methamphetamine. But all of a sudden, this person comes in and, and they're coming in out of the cold and they've decided that 
what they need to do is get warm. Everybody else in the house is, is, is sleeping. So what they decide to do to get warm because they're high on methamphetamine is they start a fire in the garbage can and, um, and potentially burn the building down, killing all of the occupants and that kind of thing. That's not at all outside of the realm of possibilities with people who are using and who are drinking and who are doing things. So for us, for the safety of everybody involved, no drugs or alcohol permitted while you're a resident here. Doesn't that sound harsh? Uh, my goodness. So that's the harsh rule of the week. Hey, next is Brian's books. We are uh, talking about our book of the month. And uh, this month, we are going to talk about A Failure of Nerve by Edwin Friedman. Edwin Friedman, uh, it's leadership in the age of a quick fix. And in fact, it seems to me like almost all the solutions that we are trying to take care of in, uh, in our governments as far as the homeless issue is always quick fix kinds of solutions. And quick fix kinds of solutions just actually exacerbate the problem. The, the uh, Edwin Friedman, he's, he lived in the, uh, he died in the 90s. Um, he was a leadership um, trainer for the military, he taught for the for the Pentagon. He's been a counselor. Um, he was a brilliant man, a Jewish rabbi, um, and uh, just a fantastic, fantastic thinker. And one of the things that he talks about in this book, uh, Failure of Nerve, is this idea that what we are seeing right now, he would call societal regression. And he's saying that yes, society regresses rather than progresses when it moves to protect the illnesses within the society rather than to isolate them and, uh, and get rid of them and strengthen what's healthy in the community. And so um, over and over again, uh, he goes on, he actually describes a lot of the uh, problems in a relationship or in a, in a community where, you know, he looks at it and he thinks about it through the lens of um, like disease. And he says, well, if you have cancer, what you don't do is you don't, um, you don't surround and protect the cancer and, and do it at the expense of and the harm of the rest of the community. Uh, the rest of the body. And, um, and so, it's, in fact, what you really do is you actually isolate the cancer and um, you try and make the rest of the body super healthy so that it can fight that, and then you work to destroy the cancer cells. Um, and, uh, and he says the problem is, is that basically uh, nobody really has the nerve that it takes to talk like that, to say the things that need to be said and to really, uh, to really pursue the right course of action. So he's saying the problem, the problem that most relationships have when they start having problems, the problem that, that uh, most societies have when they start having problems is a problem of a lack, a failure of nerve. And so who are we going to find that has the nerve to say what needs to be said? Edwin Friedman would have said the things that need to be said. And, uh, and I hope that we here at the Gospel Rescue Mission are the ones that will say to people those things that need to be said to make them, get them corrected on the right path. So uh, there's our book of the month. And um, 
Now we'll get to some final thoughts. Some final thoughts today um, really are, again, in, in, in line with saying things that need to be said, come from uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. It says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not according with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even while we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. This is 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. And this is our closing thought from the day. I mean, really, the apostle is telling us that we ought to, he's telling us that we ought to work and that we ought to be contributors to those who are around us. Um, we ought to be contributors to our society, to our community, uh, to our families. And these kinds of, when, when we're doing that, well, we can have community ourselves. But when we're not doing that, well, the apostles actually saying, stay away from people who are not doing that. Remove yourself from their presence and don't don't make them somebody that you hang out with and and um, and the reason is simple because it's it's just one of those things that they will end up costing you and destroying you as a community and so when we think about homelessness, this is why the mission here in Grants Pass, we, we are often referred to as a working mission. We refer to ourselves as a working mission. If you're going to stay here, you have to contribute to the community that you're staying with. It's affording you the place to stay. Um, and so it's not uh, as, you know, as, a, as some uh, former ex-residents who, who have decided to bail because they didn't want to work would say, oh, it's a forced labor camp and all those kinds of things. No, we're asking you to clean up after yourself. We're asking you to contribute to the community in which you are living. We're asking you to, uh, to, gen to donate your time, talent, and treasure because everybody else is donating theirs to your success. And if you're going to be successful, that's how you do it. You come in and you start thinking about the needs of others. You start thinking about how you impact the world around you. You start taking concern for those things. Um, that's the work of Gospel Rescue Missions everywhere. And we're sure hoping that your community is being blessed by this Gospel Rescue Mission and by Gospel Rescue Missions all up and down the West Coast and all across the country. Uh, they're everywhere here. And that's another wrap 
from Mission Live. We sure appreciate your time. We thank you for joining us. Do us a real solid. If you have listened this far in the show, you are hardcore. Would you take the time to go in and, and, uh, and subscribe to our channel? Would you take the time to share this video on Facebook, on your whatever social media you're, you're, you watch? Would you tell your friends about it? And again, would you join us next Monday? For another Mission Live, thanks again. Have a great week. God bless you.